Hello, everyone, and welcome to Soccer 101. My name is Joe Lowry, and on this episode, we're answering the question, why is El Clasico so important? In English, it literally translates to the classic. It's almost as if the name is begging for us to talk about why the classic is so classic. And we'll get there, or at least we'll get close. But let's start with the basics, like what El Clasico actually is. El Clasico is one of the most famous rivalries in all of sports. It's the name for the matchup between FC Barcelona and Real Madrid, the two largest clubs in Spain and two of the biggest clubs in global soccer. In recent history, these Barcelona-Madrid clashes were defined by two names. I'll go ahead and let you guess. You got it. Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. The narrative was easy to craft, like really, really easy. Which all-time great player will lead his mega club to victory over the other all-time great player and the other mega club? It's a pretty convenient storyline to pull out for preview coverage, and I'm guessing a lot of editors from around the country probably let the intern churn out that preview piece. Don't get me wrong, that Messi versus Ronaldo storyline was very justified. Their El Clasicos will go down as some of the most consistently compelling soccer games ever. Messi, on one side, either out on the right wing preparing to cut in on his left foot, or standing up top ready to drop into midfield and pull Madrid's center backs with him. And Ronaldo on the other side, on the left wing, itching to drive at Barcelona's right back before chopping the ball over to his right foot, or maybe starting in a more central position, ready to turn an opposing center back and hit a shot on goal. If the images that I've just put in your head of Messi and Ronaldo doing their things on the field weren't enough to prove their combined significance to the Barcelona-Real Madrid rivalry, may I direct your attention to Messi versus Ronaldo.app forward slash club dash stats forward slash L dash classico a webpage dedicated to tracking, comparing, and contrasting Messi and Ronaldo's El Clasico statistics. After you're done listening to this podcast, or while you're listening, check it out. The internet is a wonderful place, isn't it? El Clasico is, or was, Messi versus Ronaldo. But it's also so much more. How classic can a classic be if it's completely tied to the legacy of one or two classic players? That's not nearly as good of a tongue twister as how much wood can a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood, but it suits our purposes a little bit better. El Clasico survived Ronaldo's exit from Madrid to Juventus before the 2018-19 season, and one day it will survive Lionel Messi's exit or retirement from Barcelona. It will survive because Barca and Madrid had been facing each other on the field long before anyone had ever heard of Messi or Ronaldo. Both clubs have storied histories, and I do mean histories. We're not talking a few decades here, no. These teams had been around for more than 100 years. Barcelona was founded in 1899, right before the calendar slipped over to a new century. It all started with Hans Gomper's advertisement in the creatively named newspaper Los Deportes. In that advertisement, Gomper requested that, quote, everyone who likes this sport, referring to soccer, of course, contact him, unquote. People did contact him, and football club Barcelona was born soon after. Real Madrid, or rather just Madrid, more on that later, was founded only a few years later, in 1902, Madrid Football Club was established as a sort of offshoot from the very first soccer club in the city's history, Football Club Sky. Somewhat ironically, it was Juan Padros, a Barcelona man, who formally constituted Madrid Football Club on March 6, 1902. Using the term El Clasico to refer to matchups between Barcelona and Madrid likely didn't become common practice until sometime after the year 2000, but 20th century Spanish residents still got their first opportunity to take in a matchup between Football Club Barcelona and Madrid Football Club just one week after Padros and company set Madrid into motion. 
The initial meeting between the two clubs was in the first round of a competition called the Copa de la Coronación, a small tournament organized in honor of Alfonso XIII's coronation. The match kicked off in the Spanish capital city at 11 a.m., with Madrid in white and Barcelona wearing red and blue. Both teams were in their infancy, but according to good old Los Deportes, the rivalry was already beginning. The Catalan newspaper reported that the Barcelona players complained about the spectators, who are mostly Madrid fans, applauding whenever a Barca player fell to the ground or when the visitors suffered a goal. Those same fans apparently remained silent whenever a player in red and blue scored or simply did something cool. In spite of a lack of appreciation from the crowd, Barcelona Football Club won the match 3-1, advancing to the tournament final where they lost to favorites Bizkaia from Bilbao. To reiterate, Barcelona and Madrid were babies at this point, and other than the colors on their jerseys, they looked nothing like they do today. Still, the 1902 Copa de la Coronación is significant to the rivalry, not only because it gave us the first El Clásico, but because it reminds us of just how intertwined soccer and politics can be and have been. The tournament was held in the nation's capital. The mayor of Madrid was in attendance, and like I said, the whole reason that the tournament was organized in the first place was to honor the new king of Spain. In so many cases, politics and soccer go hand in hand, and the history of the primary soccer clubs in the two largest Spanish cities and the rivalry between those two clubs is absolutely one of those cases. We'll keep the El Clasico talk going in just a moment, but first, this episode of Soccer 101 is brought to you by ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN would like to remind you that your internet service provider can see all of your browsing history. That time you spent browsing the internet looking for an adult onesie? Yeah, your internet service provider knows about that. If you don't want them to see your onesie searching habits, your solution is ExpressVPN, an app that reroutes and encrypts your internet connection through their secure servers so that your internet service provider can't see those sites you visited. For me, I don't need Jack from my internet service provider seeing just how many times I searched Spanish politics for dummies to prepare for this episode. I prefer it if no one else knew that. You can use ExpressVPN to keep your browsing history under wraps. But there are also plenty of other reasons to use ExpressVPN. It protects 100% of your data with best-in-class encryption, runs seamlessly in the background with no lagging or buffering, and is very easy to use. So go to expressvpn.com soccer, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. Again, that's expressvpn.com soccer for three months free on a one-year package. Thank you to ExpressVPN for sponsoring this episode of Soccer 101. Now, back to uncovering the importance of El Clasico. In 1920, 18 years after the Coronation Cup, King Alfonso XIII gave Madrid Football Club royal designation, officially changing the name of the team to Real Madrid. Yes, a bunch of other clubs in the Spanish football pyramid have Real in their name as well, but that should not diminish the significance of Madrid's shift in title. At this point, it gets a little difficult to tie in political analysis with El Clasico without a detailed knowledge of 20th century Spanish history, and you're probably not in the right place for that, to say the least. I mean, there's books and books and books worth of material that's been written on this stuff. But just for you, I'll do my best to hit the El Clasico-related highlights, or maybe lowlights. Things didn't go so well for Alfonso XIII. He left Spain in 1931 and was charged with treason. In the 1930s, political instability was all the rage, and it was no different in Spain. In the mid-1930s, there were several Spanish political parties competing for rights, power, and longevity. You had your liberal Republicans, your monarchists, your Catholic conservatives, your communists, your Basque and Catalan nationalists, and your far-right fascists. In 1936, a combination of left-wing groups referred to as the Progressive Popular Front won the national election. As you can imagine, right-wing military groups weren't too happy with the result and began an uprising against the Republic. Eventually, Francisco Franco became the leader of the Spanish 
nationalist rebellion. Spain was now in a full-fledged civil war, a war that had real consequences for people all over the country, including those in Barcelona and Madrid. Today, the story about Real Madrid and FC Barcelona's role in Franco's regime goes something like this. Madrid was Franco's club and his city, and Barcelona was the enemy of Franco's war efforts. As with pretty much every part of history, things were a little bit more complicated than that. In his book, Fear and Loathing in La Liga, Spanish football expert Sid Lowe writes, To present Madrid as Franco's team and Barcelona as victims on the basis of the Civil War is to stretch the boundaries of time and project onto the period between 1936 and 1939 events that actually occurred later, in different years and under different circumstances. Lowe later wrote, Madrid was certainly not the city of Franco until he set up his government there afterwards, talking about the period when Franco had officially become the Spanish dictator in 1939 and set up shop in the Spanish capital. There's so much more to be said here about the Spanish Civil War, the cruelties of Franco's rule, and the Catalan independence movement that's still alive today. And for those things, I would highly recommend reading Sidlow's book. However, we're here to uncover more events that illustrate the significance of El Clasico. So we're going to move forward to a major on-field battle between Real Madrid and Barcelona that took place during Franco's dictatorship. A matchup in the 1943 Copa del Generalissimo semifinals. Maybe the most controversial El Clasico of all time, this June 13, 1943 meeting in the Copa del Generalissimo, named as a tribute to Franco, was the second leg of the semifinals. In the first leg, Barcelona had beaten Madrid 3-0 in Catalonia. At this point, La Liga had been established for over a decade, and both clubs were capable of playing some better soccer than they had been in the Copa de la Coronación several decades earlier. But there was more to Barcelona's first leg victory than just soccer. Barcelona fans jeered, whistled, and yelled at the visiting players for large stretches of the match. After the game, it was announced that Barca fans were banned from traveling to Madrid for the second leg. For Madrid, a 3-0 deficit was sizable, but not impossible to come back from. And they did come back. After taking an 8-0 lead at halftime, Real Madrid beat Barcelona by a score of 11-1 in the second leg. If you've ever spent any time watching youth soccer or preseason friendlies, you've probably seen some pretty lopsided scorelines. But 11-1 to in a legitimate top-tier professional game? That's crazy. Madrid-based newspaper Marca thought so too, quickly running a front-page headline that read, An extraordinary Madrid match, with the subtitle, Barcelona. It is an incomprehensible encounter. But yet again, there was much more to this El Clasico than individual on-field matchups or tactics. As the second leg kicked off, the all-Madrid crowd took a page out of Barcelona's book from the first leg, and then added a whole bunch more pages. The Madrid fans threw verbal insults at the visiting team, and then they threw actual things at them. Rocks, coins, and bottles littered the field. With an assist from their crowd, Madrid dominated the game and advanced to the finals of the cup competition. For Barcelona, their 10-goal defeat has gone down in history. It was the match that shaped their view of Madrid as the dictator's team. There are stories that suggest that Barcelona players were confronted by high-ranking military officials before the match and instructed to throw the game. Though those stories have not been proven, Barcelona historian Joan Barrao told Goal in 2017, It's obvious that in order to score 11 goals, you have to play against a rival that is absent, because it is not something normal at all. Between the items thrown on the field, the verbal abuse, and the potential military pressure, Barcelona and Madrid had become real foes fighting against each other. The rivalry was, and is, steeped in historical and political significance. And don't forget a heavy dose of soccer and some downright ridiculousness. In the 1950s, FC Barcelona and Real Madrid battled for the signature of Argentinian talent Alfredo Di Stefano. Each club claimed that they'd signed him, so Spanish sport authorities ruled that Di Stefano would play for both teams, switching back and forth every season. 
He'd play for Madrid, then Barca, then Madrid, then Barca, and so on. However, Real Madrid outlasted Barcelona in the whole ordeal, snagged De Stefano as a Madrid player in 1953, and went right on to win the first five editions of the European Champions Cup. Not to be outdone by the absurdity of De Stefano's transfer, nearly 50 years later Luis Figo traded sides in the rivalry, moving from FC Barcelona to Real Madrid in 2000. The transfer involved Real Madrid's presidential election, a statement from Figo written partially in the third person, and a pig's head. Yeah, a pig's head. The whole story surrounding the transfer is so, so, so insane, and it needs to be its own Soccer 101 episode. In even more recent memory, Pep Guardiola used a 2009 El Clasico as a stage to show off one of the most notable tactical tweaks of all time, playing Lionel Messi as a false nine. It worked, and Barca blew past Madrid 6-2 in that match. Then, at the start of the 2010s, Jose Mourinho came into the picture as the manager of Real Madrid to battle Barcelona's tiki-taka. From Di Stefano and Figo to Guardiola and Mourinho to Messi and Ronaldo, El Clasico has been shaped by some of soccer's true legends. It's been shaped by politics, wars, and national identities, and it's been shaped by time. El Clasico is exactly what it says it is. It's the classic. That wraps up this episode of Soccer 101. Hopefully the importance of El Clasico now makes at least a little more sense, and you have a better idea of why it's such a big deal. I've been Joe Lowry. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be right back.